Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talks podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. This podcast brings together the best thought leaders, teachers, and extraordinary individuals to help teach and mentor you on how to be a top performer in life, love, and business. Joining me today is Dr. Jessica Tracy. Uh, she is a teacher and professor at the University of British Columbia in the Department of Psychology, and we are going to dive into the topic of pride. It's really interesting. There's two different types of pride. We distinguish between the two of those, and Jessica actually talks about some of the core components of how pride impacts our confidence levels and how that, that pride can either distinguish between us being perceived as you know, cocky or arrogant versus somebody who is extremely confident and grounded. So um, Jessica is a professor of psychology at the University of British, British Columbia, uh, a Sauter des, uh, Distinguished Scholar and a Canadian Institute for Health Research New Investigator. Her work is currently supported by a Canadian Institute for Health Research uh, operating grant, and she is an associate editor at Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. Uh, she grew up in Washington, D.C., and in 1996 received her Bachelor of Arts from Amherst College. After graduating, she drove across the country, which she talks about a little bit, to San Francisco, uh, in, and in 2005 received her Ph.D. in Social Personality Psychology from UC Davis, uh, and then moved to Vancouver and began her professorship at UBC. So she is um, definitely understands psychology and um, is, is extremely well-versed. And some of the research that her and her team have done here at UBC in Vancouver is just incredible. And uh, she's got some great perspective on how pride specifically dictates our ability to succeed but also specifically in, it dictates our ability to enjoy the success that we're having in life. And so really interesting dialogue. I know that pride is a, is a big conversation. So uh, without any further ado, please welcome and please enjoy the interview with Dr. Jessica Tracy. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to have you here because this is a really interesting topic, and I and I know that there's uh, sort of two sides to the coin on this, and there's there's different perspectives. But I'm I'm really interested to dig into pride because it's not something that we've done before, and it's a very interesting subject. But before we get started on on that, I would love for you to share a, a story with us around a defining moment that has made you who you are today, or or maybe it ties into why you're doing the research that you do today. So the research that I do on pride and, and this book that I wrote on pride, I've been doing for about a decade or so, kind of longer now even. And it really was kind of the research that, that um, I spearheaded when I was in grad school. I got started on it pretty early in grad school. And so I think, you know, I can sort of pinpoint how I got into it and how, or at least how I got into, you know, grad school in general and, and wanting to do research in psychology with a story that I actually tell in, in the preface of my book, which is about how when I graduated from college um, on the East Coast, I moved across the country with a few friends, and our goal was basically just to live in the West Coast for a couple of years, live in San Francisco, um, and kind of enjoy ourselves. We didn't really have too too many goals other than that at that point. We sort of wanted a break from school, and we knew eventually we'd get into some sort of career plan. But until we got there, we kind of just wanted to take a year or two and, and kind of you know see San Francisco, enjoy life. Um, just the, the late '90s, it was a fun time to be in San Francisco. I was working at a cafe and, and a couple other part-time jobs. And I was really enjoying it. And, you know, the cafe job was great. I'd go in, I'd, you know, engage with interesting artists and writers who tended to frequent it during the day. And 
have lots of time to read during the afternoon, kind of light period. And then eventually, uh, you know, after maybe a year or so, you know, I sort of realized that something was missing in my life. You know, I was reading a lot. I was kind of thinking a lot, but I wasn't getting something that I'd been getting quite regularly in college, which was the basic sense that I was accomplishing something, you know, and, and in college, I sort of was able to think back to, of course, there's exams and papers. But one thing in particular was I started this um, kind of political news magazine with a few friends when I was in college. We, we wanted to kind of instigate some political commentary and, and discussion around campus. We just started this magazine up. And it wasn't anything that turned out to be amazing. It didn't last more than a few years after we graduated. You know, it was not a huge deal, but the act of doing it was really exciting. And, and that process of working with my friends to produce something that we cared a lot about, we thought was meaningful, just gave us this tremendous feeling that I realized later was pride. It, it made us feel good about ourselves. Like we were working hard to do something that was meaningful. And that was a feeling that I lacked working in this cafe. You know, as much as I was enjoying life and things were easy and fun and interesting, I wasn't provided with the opportunity to do things that would make me feel good about myself, made me feel like I was doing something meaningful in my life, which is not to say that one couldn't have those feelings from working in a cafe, but for me, that's not what it was. And it was those feelings, or I guess that lack of feeling that led me to decide I wanted to go back to grad school. And it was time to kind of figure out how to make something in my life that meant something, to, to produce something meaningful, to work hard and, and get those energizing feelings again. So, hmm. yeah. yeah, that's very cool. I mean, it, it yeah. sounds like, um, and I'm sure that a lot of the listeners can relate to that because I think that there's moments in our life where we do have a lot of pride around the things that we're doing and the impact that we're having in, in our community and through our work, through our volunteering, whatever that might look like. Yeah. And then there's those moments where there is this, that like listlessness where we, we're not really too sure if what we're doing is having an impact. And so it's harder to be proud of it. But I'm curious because your book is called Take Pride, Why the Deadliest Sin Holds the Secret to Human Success. And that really caught my attention. You know, it, pride really does have kind of a bad rap and it has for a long time. So I'm curious if you can unpack some of that. Like why is pride considered to be the deadliest sin and why is it that, that it has such a bad reputation? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I should just say the paperback version of the book, which is coming out in January, has a slightly different title. It's it's just Pride, the Secret of Our Success. So mm. the publisher kind of decided to cut the deadly sin part, which, you know, complicated publisher reasons I don't really understand. But um, the deadly sin part's really important. And I'm glad you brought it up because that is part of how we think about pride. It's a big part. You know, I think a lot of people want to avoid pride because they see it as, you know, horrible, sinful, arrogant, uh, bragging. That's not who you want to be. And it is part of what pride is. Um, in my research, we found basically that there are two different ways to feel pride. Really, there are two different kinds of pride. And we gave them different names because in English, they only have one name, right? We just refer to pride. Other languages actually distinguish between these two kinds of prides with different words, which I think is really useful. But uh, we don't do that. So, so we distinguish between what we call hubristic pride, which is the arrogant kind of pride that I think people consider to be a deadly sin, and certainly religions have for millennia. And then a pride that we call authentic pride, which is more about self-confidence, feelings of accomplishment, success, kind of what I was talking about before that I was getting when I was uh, working on this magazine in college, the pride that you feel when you're putting effort in to work hard toward the kind of person that you want to be. And these are both part of what it means to feel pride, right? You can feel both of them. And I think we evolved to feel both of them. And we have some evidence for that. Um, but they have very different outcomes, right? I mean, uh, they both are oriented toward promoting status. I think both kinds of pride help us achieve social rank and power. But the authentic pride 
also helps us make friends, right? Become well-liked by others, you know, sort of it, it orients us toward other people in our relationships, whereas heuristic pride kind of orients us away from other people and, and really just toward this extreme focus on ourselves, often to the point of putting others down in order to get power over others. Mm, yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting. I was going to say, are there sort of markers that indicate when we're going down the path of hubristic pride versus the authentic pride? Because I think that that's important. Like you've, you've distinguished some of the, the components of what might happen after we're, you know, accentuating that, that type of pride. But are there sort of markers that indicate when we're starting to lean towards one or the other? Yeah, you know, I think this is a great point because, you know, some people are prone to one, some people are prone to the other. We can, I'm sure, all name people we know who tend to feel and express a lot of hubristic pride. But this is something everyone's prone to, or everyone, I guess, can feel, right? Everyone does have those moments of both. And I think there are markers. I think we see it in ourselves, right? I mean, everyone's had that experience of being really proud of something that they accomplished and wanting to share it with others. And then, you know, now we have social media, so we can share things really publicly. And all of a sudden, when you do that, you know, you have a big accomplishment and then you post it on Facebook, things switch, right? Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I think I've certainly noticed that, you know, telling your partner, telling your parents, you know, the people who, you know, it's okay to brag to is one thing. Once you tell the whole world, well, then it becomes kind of inappropriate bragging. And then it's not clear whether you're just sharing something that you're really excited about yourself for with others so that they can share in your excitement or whether you're doing it as a way of showing off and, and perhaps making others feel less than. Um, and I think that's one of those moments and people who do realize in those moments and say, oh, you know what? I wish I hadn't posted that. That's a good thing, right? That's a good thing to feel, I think, because that feeling is telling you, oh, wait a minute, I'm crossing over to hubristic pride. I got to get back over to authentic pride, not think about what this means for how people see me and how great they think I am, but think about what it means for who I am and what I want to do next to keep those feelings going. Mm, yeah, I mean that's it's really interesting. So, so from your research and 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 from some of the discoveries that that you and, and your team have made, um, is pride really like a natural part of of human nature? And and if so, is it important for really our our ability to adapt and thrive in society? Because it sounds like it sounds as though to me that this is actually an important piece for social connection. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, so to answer the first part of your question, we, we do think it's a natural kind of part of human nature. We, we found this empirically um, by doing studies on the nonverbal expression of pride. So people display pride when, when they feel it, um, not always, but often through a particular set of nonverbal behaviors. Uh, and, and I think we all know what these are, right? We puff out our chest, we pull our shoulders back, we might tilt our head up a bit. There's a little bit of a smile. We basically make ourselves bigger. And we found that people all over the world identify that set of behaviors, that nonverbal display as pride. We went to Burkina Faso, which is in West Africa, and we studied people living in a small-scale traditional society there. So in these little villages kind of far off from urban areas. And, and by the way, the urban areas in Burkina Faso are not like urban areas in, in the U.S. So even in the urban areas, people are pretty kind of remote from Western culture. But where we went, you know, people lived in mud huts with no electricity or plumbing. Um, they, they didn't have any, certainly no TV, certainly no internet but also new magazines, right? No way of kind of having access to a Western perception of what pride might be. And yet when we showed them these photos of people posing pride displays, they said the same thing that, you know, our American college student participants said, which was, yes, that's pride. So that's pretty compelling evidence that this is something that is universal. You know, it's hard to sort of come up with a story for how these people would know what the pride expression looks like if it wasn't part of human nature, if it wasn't universal in that way. 
Um, and then the other thing we did to, to support this point was we studied pride displays shown by people all over the world in the Olympics. Um, we measured the nonverbal displays shown by judo, judo athletes kind of competing in the Olympic Games in 2004. And we found that winners tended to show all of these behaviors far more than losers did. And, and they showed them regardless of what country they were from. People from all different cultures responded by displaying pride. There were no gender differences. And we then looked at the Paralympics, which features a blind judo competition. So we had blind athletes, who, and some of them were congenitally blind, people who are congenitally blind who've never been able to see, so literally have never seen anyone else show a pride expression. And in this situation of winning you know, this incredibly important uh, judo match, they too would show the same set of behaviors. So that's the evidence suggesting that this is part of human nature, right? That it's not something we learn to do. It's something that we're kind of genetically encoded to do in response to success. Yeah, that's really cool. And I, I mean, it's, it's interesting because as you were talking and you're talking about these markers of, you know, our, our body language and how that changes these nonverbal markers, it's interesting because what came to mind is like, wow, authentic pride must be a huge component of how we perceive other people to be confident or not confident. Because what you were describing in a lot of ways really was like sort of things that in, in mainstream society, we would also link to confidence. So, so does authentic pride, it may be like, what I want to ask is, is the distinction between hubristic pride and authentic pride, it almost sounds like this is an indicator for the differentiating factors between somebody who's perceived as being cocky and arrogant and somebody who's being, who's, who's perceived as being really grounded and confident. So do you think that that plays into the factor? Is that something that you guys have looked at in your research? In your research? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I kind of think that confidence and arrogance are sort of, I would say the trait forms of, of these state emotions, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think part of what it means to be confident is to feel a good amount of authentic pride or to feel it regularly, to kind of be someone who on a regular basis is able to take authentic pride in his or her accomplishments. And someone who's arrogant is, is, I think, someone who on a regular basis feels hubristic pride, right? Someone who responds to these kinds of events like successes or even, you know, uh, someone who's really high in hubristic pride, we call a narcissist, right? Narcissists are people who are ready to feel hubristic pride at a moment's notice. Even when there's no success, they, they often can find ways to perceive um, something in the environment to indicate how great they are. And that's, that's really hubristic pride. Interesting. And then in, in terms of our perceptions or our pursuit of, of success. I know that's something that you talk about in the book itself is, is actually addressing how, you know, the distinction between these two forms of pride and, and our pursuit of, of pride in some means have, have actually supported people in having the success that they have in life. And so I'm curious as to how this, this pride or this um, drive towards pride actually impacts people's success. Yeah, it turns out it's really interesting, and it's it's not actually what we thought at first. Um, so we did this study um, with undergrad students who were taking exams because you know here's a context where there's a clear indication people want to succeed. They they know what they have to do to succeed, and we have an outcome. We can look at how they do on an exam as an, as a measure of success. So we had a large class of students taking several exams throughout the term, which is typical. And what we did was after the first exam, we asked them how they felt about their performance, how they felt about how they did on the exam. And we also looked at how they actually did on the exam. And then shortly thereafter, a few weeks later, before the next exam, we would say, okay, how are you, are you changing the way that you studied for this exam compared to last one? Are you studying differently? Or are you going to study the same? And then we looked at you know, how they did on the next exam. 
And what we thought would happen was that people who did well on that first exam would say, okay, I felt you know, a lot of pride in how I did. And those pride feelings would make them want to keep working hard or work even harder, right? So it's sort of a reinforcing thing. Oh yeah, that, those pride feelings feel great. I'm going to do, I'm going to keep working hard. I'm going to do even better on the next exam. That's not what happened because the people who did well on that first exam, you know, yes, they felt pride and response. Absolutely. But they don't need those feelings to motivate them to study hard because they are already people who study hard, right? It's sort of almost a matter of habit for people who are kind of, you know, top students. It's not the top students study hard because they feel pride, right? They, they, they've learned over the course of their life, this is going to produce pride and they, and they study hard and, and the emotion motivator isn't that important. And this is an important thing because I think emotions motivate us to do much of what we do. But once something has become habit, if it's ingrained, we don't need an emotion to motivate us to do it, right? I think most of us brush our teeth in the morning out of habit. If we didn't, we might need an emotion like, oh God, the dentist told me if I don't brush my teeth, they're going to fall out. That's fear. Then you're going to go ahead and brush your teeth. But I think most of us go ahead and brush our teeth just you know, because it's, it's sort of a habit and we don't need the emotion to push us to do it. And, and that's how the high scores on, on the, these exams work. But what was interesting was that the people who did badly on that first exam, so people who didn't do so well, those people, when asked how they felt in response, told us they felt a lack of authentic pride. Basically, they missed feeling authentic pride. And those, those, those missed feelings, that absence of authentic pride, that ended up predicting how much they changed their studying habits for the next exam. So the people who told us they did badly, where we knew they did badly, and those people who said, I didn't feel pride as a result, they then said, I'm going to study differently for the next exam. And that, though, that change in behavior actually led to improved exam performance, which we could trace back to the lack of pride. So this is all sort of a complicated story to say that pride does directly lead to improved performance, improved success outcomes, but it's the lack of pride that does it. So in other words, it's missing out on pride, feeling like I was feeling in the cafe, that you're not getting those pride feelings that you want to get in everyday life, that we all kind of seek and strive for as humans. That realization is what prompts a change in behavior that's often necessary to succeed. Interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. And so it's more like our drive for the lack of authentic pride that can often lead us down the path. I mean, it's interesting because as you're saying this, I'm kind of recalling my own journey. And I'm sure that some of our listeners are doing the same thing of like looking back at our life and starting to see these points in our life where we've lacked that sense of authentic pride. And that's almost like this it's almost like this intrinsic motivator to move us towards a sense of like feeling accomplished, feeling, feeling a sense of, of pride within the work that we're doing within our life so that we can speak, you know, in a certain way about where we're at in life and feel good about that and not feel like we're an imposter, right? Not, not feeling like when people ask us how we're doing, we're like, Oh yeah, things are amazing. It's so great. When behind the scenes, you feel like a total fraud. Um, So uh, yeah, I think that's, that's really incredible. I think what, that leads me to on the next question is, it, it sounds like there is a, it is a really big link and connection, at least from in my listening, what I'm hearing is there's a big link between pride and our sense of purpose in life. Have you done much research on that? Yeah, I, no, I completely agree with you. I think that pride is a lot of what drives us to find a sense of purpose in life. It's not something you know that I've particularly studied. I think you know we know that people who feel authentic pride, I think, tend to be more accomplished. Um, they're well-liked. They have you know, rich social connections. And all that, I think, is linked to a sense of purpose in life. You know, I don't think we don't yet have evidence for the direct link that you're suggesting, but I definitely think it's out there. And I think it's an important kind of future research direction because, yeah, I think you know, purpose in life is really important. And there's 
a number of different things that lead people to want to feel like their life is purposeful. I don't want to suggest that it's all about feeling good about ourselves, but I do think we often underestimate how important it is to feel good about ourselves and how much that does drive our behavior. So, you know, you can imagine someone who's sort of very spiritual and, and meditative and seeks those kinds of routes to finding meaning and purpose. And I think that's all really, really great. But I think it, at at some level for many people, part of what's driving that is this sense of, I want to feel good about myself. And, and that's something we evolved to have as humans, right? We mm-hmm. evolved, you know, and it's adaptive. Feeling good about ourselves, feeling like we are meeting whatever standards that we hold for ourselves, that's something that's going to keep us included within our societies. It's going to help us get social rank within those groups. And that's all really adaptive. So that's, that's kind of why we have these motivations. I think the important thing is to figure out what it will take, right? What will make you feel good about yourself? And that's where I think things like, okay, you know what? I don't necessarily want to become the CEO of a big company that's taking advantage of people. That, that's one form of success, but that's not a form of success that's going to make me feel good about myself. But if I am someone who's really good to my friends and, you know, fosters good relationships and takes care of the people who, you know, are important to me, that's another way to feel good about yourself. And, and pride can absolutely motivate the behaviors that lead to that kind of sense of self as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because it almost seems like, it almost seems like pride wielding the sort of authentic pride or, or our pursuit of it at, at the very least is something that can support us in our in our like altruistic endeavors, you know, yeah. to support other people, to help other people. I think where I see a lot of people struggle is because there's a negative connotation or label around pride, just in like a universal sense, is that they genuinely want to do good in the world and they start doing good, but then they feel pride about it. And then, you know, there's like this conflicting narrative within their, you know, cognitive body and their emotional body yeah. kind of saying like, hey, pride's Pride's a bad thing. I've been told that, you know, through the religion that I grew up in, through my family, and, and now I'm feeling proud of my work and, and uh, interests in the world. And so oftentimes what I see is people are actually living with a sense of purpose, and they're actually very proud of their, you know, altruistic endeavors, but there's a conflicting narrative within themselves that's almost like blocking them yeah. from, from enjoying that experience. And so they, they start to communicate like, oh, I don't know if I'm living with purpose. I don't know yeah. if I have meaning in my life when, when maybe it's just the, the sort of impact of the labeling that they've had on pride since childhood. No, I completely agree. And that's the kind of thing that kind of drives me crazy. I mean, that's part of what I wanted to convey in this book, to be honest, right? Because I do think, you know, and this comes from, you know, to be honest, it comes from a lot of religious philosophies, which say pride is sinful, flat up. You know, there's no, there's no alternative way of looking at it. Pride is bad, you know, and, and it's not just Judeo-Christian religions. Buddhism says the same thing. It's, it's a, it's a sin. And we're humans, right? We, we evolved to feel this emotion and to want to feel it about ourselves. And it is adaptive. And so I think denying that is, is not really going to work out. It's not going to make us happy in our lives, even if we are doing good things for others. You know, if we don't allow ourselves to take the pride that we sort of deserve to feel when we are putting hard work in, and if we are doing it in a way that, you know, basically helps others, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If anything, I think it's a good thing because it can be a motivator. You know, if you decide, okay, look, the kind of person I want to be is someone who takes care of others in my community, and then you work really hard to do that and you feel pride in it, that's fantastic. And, and I think that if you stop doing it, you're going to miss those feelings of pride and it's going to push you to do it more, right? So I think the pride is actually, it is a motivator and it's only going to lead to more positive behaviors in this realm. And, and that's why we have it. It evolved really to foster the kinds of behaviors that our society wants us to engage in. That's, mm. That is why we have pride. And so I don't think... You know, I don't think there's any 
benefit of trying not to feel pride or denying yourself pride. I think there might be a benefit to denying yourself hubristic pride and keeping mind of that distinction. I think that's really important. And I think the fact that a lot of people aren't aware of the distinction and, and the fact that a lot of religions never made the distinction, I think that's where a lot of the problems come from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause I'm, I'm sure that, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because you, you, you know, you mentioned Buddhism and, and, you know, the, the sort of like Christian theology. And, and I think that a lot of them based, based on my research and, and studies in that area, definitely, you know, look at pride as something that is a negative feature. Mm-hmm. And, and yet it seems to be something that so many people who are seeking a very like spiritual life seem to battle with from an internal standpoint, because there is this complex sort of like non-intuitive way of being when it comes to pride, because a lot of people, you know, they start doing good, they start living this, you know, very um, spiritual life or altruistic life. And they're, they're, you know, maybe they're coaching other people, or they've started a business that, that is doing good in the world. And then there's the conflict of, I feel good about what I'm doing. And it's like some of those theologies have sort of said, you know, if you are attached to feeling good about what you're doing, then then you're missing the point. And so it, it's, a, it's sort of like this interesting catch-22, and, and it seems that maybe there's something in there that people need to look at in terms of like, can you still feel good about the work that you're doing in the world or whatever you're feeling the sense of authentic pride of and and be non-attached to outcomes? Like maybe that's... Maybe that's what what the sort of like spiritual teachings are pointing to is that if we're so focused in on and attached to the outcomes, then that's uh, hindering our ability to to distinguish between this this sense of uh, hubristic pride and authentic pride. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, people who've mastered, you know, the art of meditation and, and the other principles that come from Buddhism, I think probably are able to get to a state maybe quite often where the self becomes not relevant, right? I mean, that's sort of one of the ideas behind Buddhism is you let go of, like you said, attachment, but attachment to self even. And at that point, pride probably isn't motivational. It's probably not necessary. Maybe it even is a hindrance. But my understanding is that sort of the everyday Buddhist, right? Someone who practices and, and has a regular practice for the rest of their life, that, that meditation is certainly influencing them and maybe making them a calmer person who's more accepting, but they're still human. They're still a person who is going to, at some level, want to feel good about themselves, right? That's, we all are that. And so I think that's where pride comes in is that, and, and you can take pride in the work that you put in toward your meditative practice, knowing that helps you be a calmer person. That helps you be a good person. And then in those moments of meditation, maybe the right thing to do is to try to let go of all that. And, you know, that's not something I'm an expert on at all. I don't, I don't want to speak to that. But I think my point is just that even if that's that's important to you, and I and I think that's really fantastic for people who've been able to find meaning in that way. That doesn't mean that 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 you no longer will care about uh, how you see yourself. That you'll no longer care about being being the kind of person that you can respect and feel good about. Because I think it's that's that's pretty hard to let go of. I don't know anyone who could really get there. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like this authentic pride that you're talking about is is very closely linked to a sense of gratitude but it's almost like self-gratitude you know gratitude towards towards the self and and some of the things that that you're doing or have accomplished or or are working towards in terms of purpose and meaning in life and so yeah i mean maybe it's part of the uh, the sort of spiritual emotional evolutionary uh a scale i'm not i'm not really too sure but it's really interesting and just because we're, you know, there's a, there's a couple other things I wanted to, to touch on. One of the things, um, and this, I think this is a great segue into it. One of the things that I was really curious about was 
you know, what about pride in, in our intimate relationships? And how does that impact our ability to connect deeply with, with the people in our life, whether it's people that we work with or uh, our family or, or more specifically our intimate partner? How does, how does pride play into those relationship dynamics? Um, you know, I think it does. I think in the same way as, as it would play into work dynamics and, and broader kind of community dynamics, which is just part of our identity is wrapped up in who we are as a relationship partner, right? That's an, a, an important part of self is the way I see myself as romantic partner or relationship partner, whatever the relationship is, you know, parent, uh, whatever the relationship may be. And it's important to us to feel good about ourselves in that, in that role, in that, that part of our identity. We want to feel pride in our identity as a partner. And so thinking about that and keeping that in mind, I think helps us make sure that we do what we need to do to be good to the people around us, to treat them well, to take care of them when they need it, to look out for them, to show compassion and all those other things that I think make people good relationship partners. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like, again, another important piece to authentic pride is really around humility. Yeah. And, and that sounds like that's one of the, for me, at least from an external perspective, it seems like that's an, that's a very clear marker for when we're falling into the category or the bucket of hubristic pride, where that's a little bit more egotistical, a little bit more narcissist. And, and that's where our egos come into play and are very delicate, right? And so it seems like humility in, in any avenue is, is, is an integral part of, of pride. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, you know, we've, we've done some research on humility and it's kind of, it's, it turns out it's complicated. Um, we found that just like pride, there are actually two different kinds of humility. And this is actually something that I think philosophers have known for a long time that uh, in psychology, psychologists have studied humility as this really good thing that it's, you know, this, it's great to be humble and it means you have a sense of grace and compassion and recognition of others and, and all that's true. But what we found is that there's also this other kind of humility that's really kind of just about self-deprecation and, and abasement and feeling kind of bad about yourself. It's, it's very much linked to shame. And when people think about humility, when they feel humility, they mean both, th- both things. They're, they're, they're both possible kind of outcomes or, or responses. But what we found is that, yeah, authentic pride is very much linked to the good kind of humility. So when you feel authentic pride, often what comes with that is this sort of sense of, of you know, grace and compassion for others and, and recognition of the role of others in one's own successes. And I think that's, that's really important with hubristic pride. There's an unwillingness to give credit to others, right? And that's sort of the opposite of, of appropriate humility. It's this sense of, no, I did it all. I'm responsible for all this. Whereas with authentic pride, that sense of, you know what? I couldn't have done this without the people who are important to me and I, and I need to value them and respect them. That's absolutely part of the emotion. Yeah. Incredible. No, I, I love that and I appreciate it. And then my, my final question is around high performers and, and people that are that are extremely successful. Like I know that in the book, you you look at Steve Jobs and you look at a few of the people um, that have kind of gone down this path of, you know, hyper success in some ways. Um, but I'm curious as to how pride plays uh, plays a role in that, because I think for a lot of people, who are, you know, maybe middle class or lower class, they would look at somebody that's hyper successful and say, well, you know, they must be implementing this sort of narcissistic perspective or this narcissistic side of pride. And so what have you, what in your research, what have you found about, you know, people that are maybe middle class or, or average income earners versus the people that are high, yeah, hyper successful? Um, and, and how has pride played a role in, in that sort of like categorization of, of quote unquote success? 
You know, I don't know that I would say that's a hard and fast difference. Um, I think mm. you can have people at any levels of success who feel both kinds of pride. That said, I do think that once you reach the you know hyper success, as you say, where other people and, and so many other people around you are kind of at the point of worship, which, you know, Steve Jobs is an example of that. The, another example I use in the book is Lance Armstrong. When people reach that level of fame, avoiding hubristic pride becomes much more difficult, right? And, that, and that's because, you know, if there are constantly people surrounding you telling you how amazing you are, it's really hard to not buy into that. And part of why it's hard not to buy into that is because it feels so good, right? Hubristic pride feels great. I mean, all these people telling you you're wonderful, it's, it's, it's the temptation to succumb to that is really strong. But then what often happens is you see the other behaviors that go along with hubristic pride. So Steve Jobs, um, I think, was very, he could be very arrogant. He could be incredibly difficult and demanding of the people who work for him. I think most people who work for him considered him to be kind of a jerk. He wasn't particularly nice and helpful to many of his employees. Lance Armstrong, of course, we, we know what happened with him where, you know, he basically got to the point where instead of actually wanting to work really hard as he had been for much of his life, uh, you know, he found sort of an easier way through, through doping and bullying, really bullying many of his teammates to do the same or else to lie for him and cover up. And I think that's really about that switch from authentic to hubristic pride, that that sense of, I was working really hard for this thing and achieving it, it was great, but the focus changed from, here's this, here's this person I want to be and I want to work hard toward it, to instead be about, oh, you know, everyone thinks I'm this great person. Okay, you know, how do I keep that image up? And when it becomes about sort of keeping up the appearance of greatness rather than actually becoming someone great for your own self, that's when kind of easier options like cheating, I think, become more appealing. So mm, I love that. I feel like that's the that's almost like the quote of the episode right there, mm-hmm. right? Like when you're when you get to the point where you're trying to keep up the appearance of greatness rather than the yeah. than the pursuit of your own internal version of that. I, that's, I, exactly right, yeah. that's phenomenal. Well, I think that's probably a great place to wrap up just on on that little uh, wisdom nugget. Um, if people want to learn more about you, about your research that you're doing, where can they go to find out more information? Yeah, if you go to my lab website, you can learn all about uh, the research that we do, my grad students and colleagues and I at UBC, uh, University of British Columbia, and that's www.emotionlab.ubc.ca. Um, and if you want to learn more about the research, the other the, the best way to do it is through my book, Take Pride, or the paperback version coming out in January, which it will just be called Pride, The Secret to Success. Wonderful. Well, thanks very much for joining me on the podcast. I love this conversation and, and some of the insight and wisdom that you're dropping because uh, I think it's so applicable for so many things, confidence, purpose, meaning in life, relationships. I mean, this is some really, really great work that you're doing. And so I appreciate so you joining me. Thank um, you. And for everybody else out there, uh, don't forget to check out the website, mantalks.com for more blog posts, podcasts, and videos from our live events around North America. Uh, And don't forget to share the podcast. If you found this episode, uh, particularly, or any of the past episodes, really insightful, uh, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with somebody. uh, And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review either on Stitcher or Apple Music. Until next week, this is Connor signing off. Join me for another inspiring conversation with another inspiring individual.